0: The shock of the truth has been very hard to deal with, but in another more positive way, it feels like I have found a missing part of myself. I respect the boundaries you have set up. If you ever change your mind and want to reach out to me, I will be here.
1: Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an Ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 102. Today, I am speaking with Patricia. Hi, Patricia.
0: Hello,
1: Lily. Good to hear you again.
0: Indeed it is, yes.
1: You sent me your weather last week it looked chilly but you sent it to me in Celsius <laughs> I had to do some conversion.
0: where oh yes
1: where am I, where are you located?
0: Um, I'm located very near to the Midlands of Ireland.
1: Okay near Ireland got it I yes beautiful um, thank you for thank you for setting this up again. We've tried this before and so I appreciate you setting the time aside to do this again.
0: Oh, thank you very much yourself. Yes, indeed.
1: We've created a space for you today to share your story. So why don't you go ahead and start at the beginning and and we're going to listen to you today.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Lily, for giving me this opportunity. Okay. Um, I suppose really I will start at the beginning Mm -hmm. or how I see the beginning to have been. I'm going back to early to mid 1960 approximately. My mother and my birth certificate father met in Scotland. He was there with his father from Ireland, with his family, beg your pardon, from Ireland, working in uh, potato picking, as people often did at the time. My mother was born in November 1942. She was 17 years old, and my birth certificate father was 23 years old at that time. When they met, she was Protestant and he was Catholic. In January 1961, they married in Scotland in a Catholic church, as my mother had now converted to Catholicism. She was then 18. She was three months pregnant with my eldest brother, Orr, who was born in Scotland in July 1961. Her father, who was an Englishman, was not happy with the marriage or indeed with the situation, as firstly, she was pregnant. Secondly, she was marrying an Irish man and he did not like Irish people. He said they were mammy's boys and lazy, as he had been in the Second World War with them. Thirdly, her marriage meant that she would have to leave her job in a factory that she had been working in since she was 15 years old. She was the eldest of 11 children and she had been taken out of school to go to work to help provide for her younger siblings. So her father refused to attend the wedding. Unfortunately, they never spoke again. He totally disowned her and they never spoke again. Mm.
1: When my brother was
0: about six months old, they returned to Ireland to live. My mother claimed in later years that she did not realize that this was going to be a permanent situation and thought they were going to live thought they were going to go to Ireland for a funeral and would return later to Scotland shortly. But unfortunately, this was not what her new husband had in mind. She said that as soon as her husband, my birth certificate father, got his feet under the table again at his widowed mother's house, that, that was it, he refused to go back to Scotland and wanted to remain at home in Ireland. Their second child, a girl, was born in early 1964. I was told that at this stage, birth certificate father was working in a factory during the day. He would then return home in the evening for dinner and at 7 p.m. each night, he and my mother would leave for a night of drinking, smoking, and socializing. Our grandmother, birth certificate father's mother, was left with the children. Money was very scarce and our grandmother was the one who fed clothed and provided for school for us. Any money the birth certificate earned birth certificate father earned went towards their drinking and their smoking lifestyle. When he ran out of his own wages he took money from his elderly mother. Mm. At some point in those early years birth certificate father lost his job as the factory he worked in closed down. I don't remember him working at all after that. He spent his days gambling and drinking, and our mother would join him in the evenings. In December 1965, another girl, Y, was born. In October 1967, another boy, J, was born. Another girl, E, was born in December 1968. Another boy, D, was born in October 1970. Then came myself. So there's lots of children coming at this stage. Yes, I was born myself in October 1972. And then finally, their last child, a child called M, was born. It's my youngest sister, was born in 1975. It was now 14 years since they had returned from Scotland. They still lived with our grandmother in a small terraced house. Birth certificate father and our mother would have frequent arguments and rows, mostly coming home from the pub at night. My birth certificate father would frequently slap and kick my mother. Oh. My eldest sister B told me that he would kick her frequently in the stomach, especially while she was pregnant. Oh no. She told us that she had one miscarriage between her first and second baby from falling down the stairs. We don't really know whether that was true or not or whether it was from the beatings that she was enduring. Our grandmother's sister frequently visited from another town. And when her husband passed away in January, 1973, she didn't want to live on her own as they were childless. And she moved in with us also. She would take us up to stay with her frequently, especially during school holidays. These are some of the happiest memories of my childhood. I would consider my great aunt to have been more of a mother to me than my own biological mother. Mm. She especially was fond of me as I was the baby in the house when she moved in. We were very close and she remains one of the most important people in my life and a great influence on who I am today. We went everywhere together when I was a young child, and she was everything my own mother wasn't. I felt very different from my seven siblings all through my childhood, but I felt that could have been mostly because I spent so much time out of the house with my grand-aunt. My great-aunt had a fear of her nephew, my birth certificate father, and she did not like to be in the house at the same time as him if she could avoid it. I didn't look like like my birth certificate father, but our mother had very strong dark features. She had a Roman nose, which was very distinctive and very distinctive dark eyes and dark hair. So only two of us looked like her husband, uh, birth certificate father. Our house was a small council home with three bedrooms. Now with eight children and four adults, it was a tight fit. One bedroom was on the ground floor, and this was where our grandmother, her sister, and why my sister and myself slept.
1: Y and I became
0: very close as sisters, though there are, we are seven years apart in age. She also was a maternal figure to me and my other sisters, and I now understand that she had far too much responsibility thrust upon her at a very young age by our parents. Just up the stairs on the right was where my three brothers slept. The only other bedroom was where our parents slept, along with my three other sisters. Our parents would argue a lot coming home from the pubs and in the bedroom at night. I have been told by my eldest sister, who slept in the same room as them for years, that she was witness to many arguments and assaults, that the rest of us were faring were thankfully away from Bucca clearly here. A lot of these arguments were started by a birth certificate father because our mother was a very striking woman who drew a lot of attention from men in the pubs. He would get very jealous and pick fights on the way home. He was a vile and brutal bully and would have thought nothing of raising his hand even to his elderly mother and aunt. I don't particularly remember any occasion where he hit any of us children, but I have heard that he beat one of my brothers as he was the rebellious one who would try to stand up to him and protect our mother. I was told by my sisters Y and B, that he would mention a specific he would mention specific men's names, and even told my sisters as children that they were not his daughters. My sisters grew up to believe it was some kind of cruel joke, as he could be very cruel with comments about appearance, etc. down through the years. This memory continued to haunt them to the present day, but they always explained it away as one of his, in jokes. Hmm. I do not remember a lot of this, thankfully, both because I was one of the youngest and because I slept downstairs. Another of my sisters has told me that our mother would frequently not come home at all with him some nights and they would sometimes have to look for her in the morning. Our parents were always sleeping off the alcohol from the night before and were never there to bring us to school or to make us breakfast or lunch as you might expect. Those responsibilities fell to our grandmother and great aunt and our sisters as they grew older. My great aunt was the only one who encouraged me in school and in reading and attending mass with her. I became a great reader as a child, possibly to escape the suffocation of our home life. Our parents were happy for anyone to take on their responsibilities as long as they did not have to make the effort. As we grew older, our parents' selfish behaviour continued. As our grandmother and great aunt grew older and more feeble, our parents made nothing any easier for them. Instead, the responsibility to look after both of them came to us as teenagers, especially myself and my older sister Y, because we were the closest to them and shared their bedroom. In January 1984, my eldest sister B got married and moved away to another town. In March of the same year, our parents finally moved out of this house as they had obtained their own council house. I maintained that this move was purely a selfish one as they recognized the deterioration in health of our grandmother and great aunt and did not want anything to stand in the way of their social life. They took my three brothers with them. At this point, my sister Y took on a job to help financially and the care of our grandmother and great aunt fell on both her and myself. We were about 11 and 18 years old at this time. My eldest sister had a baby that August. Our parents had absolutely no interest in their first grandchild, as could perhaps have been expected of them. There were no help to my sister, who would have appreciated her mother's care as a new and young mother herself. I remember little of my eldest brother because he was so much older than me, but I do know that he went to Scotland himself around this time to find work. That left two brothers with our parents and myself and three sisters with our grandmother and our great aunt. Our parents never showed any interest in visiting us, though the houses were a short walk apart. They only ever showed their faces to ask for money. In August 1986, our great aunt passed away from cancer. This was devastating to me, especially as we were so close. I was only 13 and it was as if my mother had died. There was absolutely no understanding for my parents or anybody else. I felt totally alone and I was expected to just carry on. I went through a very dark time in my teens after her death and tried to focus as much as possible on my education and Catholic faith, which my great aunt had prized. I was always very proud of me. My sister Y began a relationship with her future husband in 1988. This was one of her few social outings as she had been a surrogate mother and carer since her early teens. Our grandmother was very ill at this time and also suffering from cancer, so it fell mostly to Y to look after her. Y and myself would have to bathe her, feed her and change her stoma bag. Responsibilities which I now know were far too much to take on for a 16 and 23 year old. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Our parents were still living as they always had and none of this made any difference to them. It was at this time that an incident occurred which still lives very fresh in both mine and Y's memories. Y had been planning to go out with her boyfriend to a special event, which she very rarely got to do. She had agreed with our parents in advance that they would come and stay with our grandmother and us for the night. However, they never turned up I went to the pub as they did every night. I was witness to her confronting them and it will never leave my mind as I believe it to be the first time why I lost her temper completely and felt furious at the responsibilities thrust upon her and the neglecting and selfish attitudes of her parents. She described it in later years as if something had clicked in her mind that she would never ever recover from. This made no difference to our parents who always had a completely apathetic attitude to any of our concerns, our needs, our problems. In 1989, birth certificate father had his first heart attack. He was aged just 52 years old. He recovered, but was warned to cut down on the alcohol, the cigarettes and otherwise unhealthy lifestyle. He seemed to listen for a short time later fell back into old habits. Our grandmother passed away that December, that is December 1989. Y was due to get married in April 1990 and she planned to move away after our grandmother's death. My sister E moved to England. Before Y got married myself and my younger sister M had no choice but to move in with our parents as our grandmother's house had to be handed back to the council. As she had passed away. After Y got married and moved away to another county, I began dividing my time between her house and back to our parents for school time. I spent as much time as I could away from them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: At this time, I was in my final year of school and studying for my exams. I had hopes to go to college and train as a teacher, but this was impossible for me due to our financial situation, and I had developed very deep anxiety. I was still very affected from our great aunt's death and it was such a lonely and difficult time for me, especially now without Y, who was my closest sister. Our parents were a constant in their bad habits and nothing had ever changed. When I finished school, I spent more and more time staying with Y and her husband. I did not want to spend any more time than I had to with my parents. Their lifestyle was beginning to sicken me. Their hands were open all the time to take whatever they could from us. In 1992, my brother Dee, who was two years older than myself, he was 21 years old at the time and his girlfriend was 19 when they discovered that she was pregnant. Her family were completely unsupportive and horrified and our parents were, as usual, apathetic and didn't care either way. Their baby was given up for adoption. I have since found our adopted niece and she now lives in Singapore. In this same year, I met my future husband and there seemed little reason to stay in my hometown at all anymore. I moved permanently away and with my sister, why? At this time, I was in a very dark place. I was suicidal. I began therapy and slowly started to try to rebuild my life away from my parents and their toxic household. I occasionally visited, but they never seemed particularly happy to see us. They always wanted money from us and expected us to be gone. By the time they wanted to go to the pub in the evening, we had to leave. In December, 1993, I moved to Scotland with my boyfriend. I had thought we would receive support from my mother's family there but they were still very bitter and cold, even though my maternal grandfather was a long time dead at that stage. I was thankful to be able to meet my grandmother, however, and had a good job and was able to build a relationship with my eldest brother, who was still living there at the time. We moved back to Ireland in May 1995. My sister Y had her first baby in 1994. She remembers clearly that though she chose to give birth in a hospital very close to our parents, they came to visit only once and showed no interest in the baby. Instead, they asked for money for the canteen and left. My younger sister, Em, had been in a bad relationship and had two children that my parents had absolutely no interest in. At this time, we were all trying to heal in our own way and building our families. In August 1996, tragedy was to hit our family. My brother Dee sadly drowned in an accident. He was 25 years of age. I think this must definitely have impacted our parents, but they didn't really show their grief. It was very difficult to read our mother and she could have been feeling any emotion at all. She was a very detached and cold woman and it was impossible to be able to understand her. If you went to hug her, she just froze and did not return the hug. I do not remember any maternal contact with her whatsoever, or ever being in her lap, hugged or kissed. I have begun to feel some understanding and sympathy for her as I have grown older. It was very difficult for her to move to a new country at such a young age away from her family and home. I was told at her funeral by one of her brothers that she remained in secret contact with her own mother in Scotland by letter and would beg to come home, in other words, to go home to Scotland. However, her mother was afraid of her domineering husband and our mother had to remain in her situation. Along with the abuse from her new husband, our grandmother did not approve of her that is our birth certificate father's mother and made life very difficult for her and thought she was unable to care for her own children or look after the house for her husband I have come to understand that she was a very lonely and needy woman but I also know that she was not a good mother to us and she neglected her own children when she should have put us first Mm -hmm. I married my husband in 1998 My parents were as expected at the wedding with their hands out looking for something. My husband's mother thought my birth certificate father was good fun and a great man. I often thought that she never knew the true monster he was, as he could be very charismatic, witty and entertaining to strangers. Mm. In January 2002, when I was heavily pregnant with my first child, my daughter, My sister Y was involved in a serious car accident. She was very lucky to survive and she spent almost four months in hospital.
1: Our parents were, as
0: expected again, not exactly supportive or especially kind to her young children at the time. They probably visited her once or twice in that four month period that she spent in hospital. In February of the same year, I gave birth to my daughter. The very same day, my brother Jay took his own life. It was a very confusing mix of emotions. I was overcome with severe postnatal depression, grief and confusion. I brought my daughter to meet my parents when she was six months old. They showed little interest. My birth certificate father asked me for a lift to the local pub on our departure and I finally lost my temper and told him he could walk. They were my last words to him as he died from a second heart attack just two weeks later at the age of 65. Our mother seemed very lost after his death. As usual, we couldn't see any particular sadness or grief, but the life she had led with him was now over. She stopped going out socially, And I can only think she was probably relieved that he was gone. I think we all hoped as a family that maybe she might unlock herself a little bit at that stage and let us in. She she had always said before this, if she was ever asked to look after her grandchildren or anything else that might inconvenience her, that her husband would not allow her. That was her excuse but we hoped in vain because she stayed exactly the same. In 2005, she began developing a series of chest infections and was diagnosed with emphysema, or COPD. She had always been a smoker and had weak lungs from childhood TB. However, she still continued to smoke, even as she needed an oxygen machine after every cigarette. My sister B, my eldest sister, became her primary carer as she lived close by. Our mother continued to live in and out of hospital for the rest of her life. She moved out of the house she had shared with BCF, my birth certificate father, and into a smaller one without stairs, but spent very little time there as she passed away in February 2009, age 66. I felt a strange sort of peace at her death. I was the only one of her children to stay with her from the time she left the hospital until the day she was buried. It was very difficult, especially for Y, my older sister, as I think it brought back memories, emotions, and trauma that she had buried, both from her brother's and father's death, along with her traumatic childhood. Only one of my mother's 10 siblings came to her funeral. He told various stories which upset us greatly and caused trouble among us. So now I'm coming on to the time of my ancestry test. In December 2015, I did an ancestry DNA test. i had always been very curious about family history, especially my mother's side, which we all knew very little about. I was aware that one of her brothers had done family research. And I contacted him, but he refused to share it with me and told me to find it out for myself. I had little interest in birth certificate father's family, but I still did a little bit of digging on that side. My matches were not at all suspicious on my ethnicity. I was 52% Irish, 33% Scottish, 11% English and 4% Welsh which was expected pretty much apart from the Welsh bit. I haven't really figured that one out. I don't know where that comes in. One of my top matches was from my mother's side and he was very helpful. He had basically done a huge amount of research over many years. He was delighted to be able to slot my Scottish grandfather into place on his tree. I had a few Irish matches but never got any concrete evidence of birth certificate father's family and how we were related through them. I knew the birth certificate father's family had been from County Cavan, that is a county as you go towards Northern Ireland. But the trail went cold after that, as I seemed to find no matches with any similar details. Now, the very interesting thing that comes to mind at this stage is in 2017, I actually joined the Facebook group NPE Friends. It had somehow been recommended to me. I joined it, even though at this stage I had no idea that I was to become an NPE. So that is amazing to me even now. It was like I was drawn to something that would help me later on. Hmm. So that is that is amazing. I I find that very hard to you know, to figure really in a way because it would be another two years before I discovered the truth. Oh wow, yeah. So that is very interesting. Now, my very top match was somebody I could not place for years. We shared 235 centimorgans of DNA and it told me he may be a second cousin. His name is Noel. He lives in the USA, but he grew up in London with his mother being from my hometown where I grew up. I felt at this point that the match should be obvious as birth certificate father's mother was also from that area. But however we managed, we could not manage anything for certain. We could not match anything and we were left confused and frustrated. My birth certificate father's niece was also interested in genealogy and tested her DNA in early 2017. We did not match at all, and she was highly confused. I explained it away, perhaps naively, by saying that because I look so much like my mother, I obviously had more DNA from my maternal side. Mm -hmm. This sounds ridiculous now, but I was coming up with some sort of explanation for myself. I met Noel, um, the second cousin in person, in November 2017. And um, he um, has a holiday home in my hometown and he traveled from Florida to um, to my hometown. It was unbelievable. We had an instant connection and I found myself very comfortable in his presence. We still could not figure out a connection, but he was happy just knowing that we were related. But I strongly felt that I needed to know more. In December, 2019, I went to meet Noel and his wife at their holiday home in my hometown, this time with my daughter. We spoke again about our confusing match and for the first time Noel asked me if his mother's maiden name was a very common name in our town. I said not really, but I did remember a friend of my parents named Tommy G, which was his mother's surname. It somehow, I'm just looking back at it, and it, this name suddenly came from the back of my head, right out through my mouth, with no filter in the middle, which was interesting. Tommy G used to drink with my parents, and I remember his name was frequently mentioned in our house growing up, but never in a positive way. My daughter noticed a very quick glance between Noel and his wife that I didn't see because I was still talking. We said our goodbyes and said we would be in touch. On the 6th of January 2020, I received an email from Noel. It was very brief and to the point. He told me that he had been making inquiries about the man I had mentioned to him, and one of his friends confirmed that Noel was related to Tommy G. He ended his email with the words, I think you know the rest yourself. I could not believe what I was reading and what I was thinking and I remembered why speaking about what was said to her as a child by birth certificate father about her true father. This name had been said to her and BCF, my birth certificate father, had said it to her that, that this Tommy G was her father. But from my knowledge it was never said to be or I certainly don't remember hearing it. I felt no sadness in discovering that birth certificate father was not my biological father, but I was in immense shock and I cried for days. I knew instantly that if I was the daughter of Tommy G, then why also was because we are so alike.
1: Hmm.
0: Tommy G died in the 1980s after taking his own life, sadly. I was 11 years old and I have no memories of him. My older siblings have some memories of him, but won't speak of them. I decided that the only way to ultimately prove that I had a different father was by having my younger sister, who closely resembled birth certificate father, to have her DNA tested. She was unaware of why I paid for her DNA test and thought I was just expanding on my family research. Her results came back on the 8th of March, 2020. I count this as the day that I found out out my own truth. I managed her account, and when I saw the results, I had very mixed feelings because it only really confirmed what I already knew. We matched as close family or half sisters. I debated how to tell my siblings and whether I should do it at all. I told why, as she was at the time my closest sister. We had been close over the years. We told each other almost everything and I thought she might be understanding. However, she was not at all supportive and strongly encouraged me to keep it all a secret. I suggested to her that she might consider testing, but she reacted badly and said she knew who her father was and I was the only one in the family who could have a different father. She forcefully implied that I must have been the product of rape. I think that the mention of rape horrified me so much that I was determined to prove that I was not the only woman in the family with a different biological father. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I found myself doing something that I never thought I would do, and that is trying to remember old pulp friends of my parents at the time who would be still alive and who would also have known Tommy G. One of them, who we will call Mary, was quite helpful and proceeded to go down through the list of the eight children and give her a view on who she thought was the father of each. Mary told me that it was an open secret that my mother was involved with Tommy G and was seen frequently in his car and at his house. He was at this time separated from his wife and 20 years older than my mother. Mary praised him as a decent man with a witty personality, who was kind and good to my mother. She also mentioned that she thought he may have fathered my late brother D and my sister Y. Mm. Mary gave me the name of birth father's ex-wife's sister, who is still living in the town I grew up in. I was reluctant to contact her as a stranger, but I realized I knew someone who lives close by her and knows her reasonably well. This person contacted her for me, so this would be my birth father's wife's sister, and explained my situation. Unfortunately, the sister was hostile and unwilling to help. I could not believe the amount of bitterness that she felt towards my birth father after all those years. This was in 2020, and my birth father had died in 1983. Mm. She implied that he had many illegitimate children with various women and seemed most interested in wanting to know who my mother was. The sister said that she had been in contact with her niece, that is my half-sister, and that V, who was my half-sister, was not interested in any kind of relationship. Personally, I believe this was a lie and she did not make any attempt to contact V at all. On April 21st, I had an individual video call with each of my sisters and told them the news. They reacted so much better than Y had done. And the biggest surprise for me was the reaction of my sister E in the UK. We had never been very close but she instantly offered to take a DNA test. Y was appalled that I had told them this news. She seemed to possess the illusion that we had been a happy family and I had ruined the good memories of our parents. My niece, the daughter of my eldest sister B, was also horrified by the news and immediately agreed with Y that it must have been rape unknown to us why i secretly tested herself. Her results popped up on my ancestry page in June. We were full siblings. I contacted her with what I thought was an olive branch, trying to be supportive and kind. She reacted fiercely and proceeded to send me an onslaught of malicious and vile messages. She accused me of suspecting all along that I had a different father and that it was the real reason for the initial DNA test. She also accused me of destroying our parents' memories, digging things up that were better left buried, and of being a rape baby. I was so hurt by these messages, and they deeply upset me. I had thought that my closest sister, and the person that I trusted most in my family, would be supportive, but she was vile and hurtful. I eventually had to block her on all social media and her phone number. Yeah. E received her results shortly afterwards, and we also matched as full siblings. Oh. Which was very surprising. Mm. This this was a big shock, as E was always the sibling I considered to be a little bit of a black sheep. She looked nothing like either side of the family and her personality was completely different to any of us. I had begun to think that she had a different father entirely. She didn't react badly to the news, but seemed uninterested in finding out anymore. My eldest sister B was too afraid to test and has not done so. She has told me another name that was mentioned to her by our birth certificate father as being her father as he used to shout at them and told them to go back to their fathers and call out men's names in our, in our house. But she refuses to know for certain and her daughter will not encourage her. Mm. I personally believe that my brother D was also a full sibling to me, as we were very alike and my son reminds me of him more and more as he gets older. Mm. I have no idea about my brother J. And R looks just like birth certificate father. So I suppose really um, the eldest and the youngest child are definitely belong to birth certificate father. And then the middle six, uh, three have been definitely um, pinpointed as the children of my birth certificate father. And the three others were a little bit unsure about. Hmm. I then became determined to find out more about my biological father. And I could not understand why's resistance or ease reluctance, these are my full siblings, to know anything about our half siblings. It was very difficult to find out information about his life. He was a public figure involved in politics, but very few people knew about his private life. Some people did not even know that he had been married. But inquiries led me to discover his wife had left him and gone to England with their children long before he became involved with my mother. Through assistance from Facebook groups, I found an address for one of my siblings. I also found this address through doing some research on my birth father's uh, wife. Uh, She passed away in the UK in 2009. I sent away for her death certificate. And the person to register her death was her daughter, V. So there was was an actual um, address on the death certificate at the time in 2009. I wasn't too sure if that was still um, an address for her because I felt she could have moved. So I enlisted the help of some Facebook groups and they assured me or they were able to find out from the Um, from the electoral roll um, that um, she was still living at that particular address. So I decided the best thing to do was to write to her, and I received a reply. She was unsurprised to hear that she had a half-sister, was ultimately uninterested in maintaining contact or in meeting. Now, I have a little bit of the letter here that I can just read briefly, if that's okay. Of course that 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 I sent to her and I just I'll just read if that's okay yes go. now this letter was dated the 6th of July 2020 this is myself and I just said dear V my name is Patricia and this is not a letter I ever imagined I'd be writing to anyone I am your half-sister and your father Tommy G is my biological father I then just have in brackets here, I wrote about my ancestry journey, which I have already included in the podcast. It is not my intention to bring trouble to your doorstep. You and I are strangers to each other, but I am open to getting acquainted and exchanging information. I would like to know any important medical history for myself and my children. I think it is human nature to be curious about who and where we come from. Half of my identity is a mystery to me now. Half of my DNA comes from another family. I would like, if possible, to see some photos of your family to see if I share any resemblance. I understand you may need time to process this news. I will respect that. I only ask that you let me know in one way or another if you would like to contact me, so I'm not left wondering. Please contact me in any way that is comfortable for you. So, at this stage, I included my Facebook details, my phone number, an email, and my address. So, that was the 6th of July. I didn't have to wait too long, thankfully, for some reply. So, um, V's letter was dated. She wrote to me in her own handwriting. I typed my letter to her. I think I was just feeling very nervous about it. So, she dated it the 17th of July, 2020. Mm. Dear Patricia, thank you for your letter. I fully understand your need for family information and connection. I left Ireland when young, as the father, this is in inverted commas, Tommy G was unable to love or support his family. His own choice, contact was then severed. I also knew there were several siblings born in our hometown. But I did not feel the need to contact. The only medical info I know is that we all die with heart-related problems, but don't know his side. So I'm thinking she's speaking about her mother there. Mm. His brothers also disowned us. That would be birth of his brothers. We do resemble mm. each other, and it's clear that we are in Verticama's blood family. That line was just, it just struck out to me. Mm. Uh, Noel and his mother, uh, Noel is the person I matched with on Ancestry, possibly related, but I cannot remember any connection. My life was not a happy one due to my mother marrying Tommy G. I ended my relationship with both of them very young. I don't wish to meet, etc., with any siblings, but I hope you find what you are looking for. I wish you and your family good wishes and a better future fee so that was her letter and I was disappointed I didn't receive a photograph that -hmm. was one thing that I was I suppose you know listening to other people on their podcasts you know to see photographs or to see somebody that you look like or you know to see something like that you just feel that that's very important yes but unfortunately she didn't um she didn't put any photograph or she didn't do anything like that she acknowledged that we are alike but that that was it so i decided that um i would reply to her and thank her for her letter i felt it was you know the best thing to do so i dated my own letter the 17th of august 2020 and i put on it dear v i want to thank you for your sincere and honest reply i really appreciate your help and effort at this unexpected communication. I too have had a difficult life, mixed with a lot of tragedy. I left my hometown at 18, broken and alone, determined to build a better life for myself with the aid of therapy and other supports. I have to say the line in your letter about resemblance brought a tear to my eye. I would so appreciate even one photo of you or maybe one of your siblings. If you could send it to me, please, so I can see the resemblance too. I am enclosing one of myself. I grew up always knowing I was different to my siblings. The shock of the truth has been very hard to deal with. But in another more positive way, it feels like I have found a missing part of myself. I respect the boundaries you have set up. If you ever change your mind and want to reach out to me, I will be here. So that was the end of my letter to V. Mm -hmm. So just following on from that, um, I noticed uh, when she wrote to me, she wrote in her own handwriting. And it was my daughter. But My daughter is now 19 years of age. And my daughter noticed how similar our handwriting is. Mm -hmm. That we both put um, capital R in our sentences when we're actually writing, we put the capital R in the middle of the words. Oh wow! Which is amazing, actually. You it know, I'm, I'm I'm the only one that does it in my family, and she does it also. Oh, isn't that interesting? So that is interesting. Now, the only photographs I have of my biological father and my half siblings. Now, uh, just to say about my half-siblings, my birth father married his wife in 1947. It's very difficult to know exactly how many children they had because the children were born at home. Some of them were registered uh, legally and some of them weren't. So I've had a little bit, um, I've had a fairly difficult time trying to hunt them down, so to speak, you know, trying to find out. But I, I I did get confirmation of baptismal records for four of them at least but I do think there may have been another two but I'm not exactly sure. So the only photographs I have are ones that I found in old newspapers and in my birth father's obituary which is very vague. These photographs are old and grainy and it is impossible to tell any similarities unfortunately. Now going back to my sister Y who I always thought it was my closest sister. Mm. The relationship between my and myself has all but disintegrated. Mm. I know that we will never be as close as we were. We have met only once in person since her outrageous outbursts. She seems convinced that this is my fault, but I cannot forgive her for the vile comments she has made over text and how much she has hurt me. She refuses to see where she has gone wrong, has not even apologized for the distress caused. I can't just pretend that none of this has happened, which is what she seems to want to do. I think pretending we had a good and happy childhood with loving parents is and was her coping mechanism.
1: Mm.
0: Now, on a positive note, I have felt such kinship and kindness through the NPE Friends community. Mm-hmm. They have been absolutely fabulous, the NPE Friends group, and they have helped me along my journey so much. I also happen to meet a friend in the NPE circle, and though we are far apart and have not met in person, she has been a rock and a huge help to me. The time difference proves useful at night when I am unable to sleep with distress, because New York is five hours behind Ireland. Mm. So that has been absolutely brilliant. Mm. So I've been trying to track down other half-siblings, but I think I may have mentioned it's proving uh, almost impossible. I feel that this family really do not want to be found. I know that two of them have died. One of them died, it was a little girl who was born in 1949, and she died at six weeks old. Another one, a brother, a half-brother, died at 36 years old. I managed to get his death certificate. He died in London um, from suicide, unfortunately, in 1991. So there was tragedy in that family as well as my own. And I managed to get a copy of his inquest details. So I have that. So that that is good to have. Um, In another, well, in, in a more positive sense, I have since connected with a lot of cousins in the USA, which further have proven my definite link to my biological paternal family. They have been so welcoming and they're all talking about coming to Ireland and meeting, etc. Um, I have researched my birth father's biological family and his parents' hometown, which is not the one. His parents grew up in a different town to the one that he grew up in. My birth father grew up in my own hometown in the west of Ireland, but his parents grew up in a different hometown, in a different town, and with a lot of help from a distant cousin who still lives there. And I've met this distant cousin twice. Now, we didn't know at the time when we met that we are biolog- biologically related. Um, he has the same surname as my birth father, but um, I was just making some inquiries and I was put in contact with him, and he has just been fabulous. We have met a few times, and he's been really, really good. So I suppose at this stage, my intentions for the future are hopefully making contact with my sister, V, in the UK again. Um, My family and I hope to um, go to the UK next year, and we will be staying very close, actually, to where she lives. And I hope to contact her again and just hope, maybe, that she may have changed her mind, even if she was to speak to me for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Or to provide um, a photograph or something like that. Just something that would be, you know, something that would be nice. I'm hopeful that her feelings will have changed. And I've also recently discovered about the existence of another half-sister. which was a total surprise to me. I didn't know this particular half-sister existed until I received the baptismal records from the church in my hometown. And... Um, I suppose it's fair to say that baptismal records seem to be a lot more reliable than the legal record, what we call the civil record Mm -hmm. here in Ireland. And I I got four baptismal certificates from the church just there recently. Mm -hmm. I I was just joking to my daughter the other day, I had to pester the church a lot to get these. But I was determined to find these. So somebody somebody felt sorry for me and just decided to, to lock in the register mm. and see if they could find. So they sent me four baptismal certificates, so I have those. So uh, with that, um, I'm going to slowly try and research the younger sister. This is uh, this sister is just um, 10 years older than me. She would be younger than the, the sister that I contacted. So I'm hoping that I might be able to get some contact details for her. And hopefully she would be, you know, hopefully she would be happy to actually keep in contact. Maybe, uh, you know, just just we may have some some little bit of connection. I would certainly be happy with that, I think. Have
1: you done your DNA only with Ancestry? Or have you tried any of the other, like 23andMe sites, any of the other uh, DNA sites?
0: No, just with Ancestry. But I did um, upload to JetMatch. Okay. I uploaded mm-hmm. to Um I don't understand jet Match very well, I have to say. Um, I don't have much um, other success. Um, I check ancestry quite regularly, in fact, daily, to see if I can find any closer relative
1: mm-hmm. that I
0: could maybe, you know, that would be great. But no, in the last while, really, I I haven't had any close matches. Most of my matches are four to six cousin, yeah. that kind of level. Oh uh, you no. Know? Yeah, yes. so it's a, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing in that way. But in saying that, when I get my matches, I, you know, the majority of them really are related to my birth father. They're not related to my mother so much. I don't really have enough that related to her. And I, I would have thought maybe that it could be the other way around. You know that I would have yeah. more maybe linked to her because she was she's she was British and Scottish and that you know but uh, no more of them. It sounds like um, an awful lot of my birth father's family and family members went to the USA all those oh. years ago. Okay, and I'm starting. I'm starting to match with them and you know starting to realize. So you know and um, I there's a couple of people at work that I've confided in and told them about this and I suppose their first question has been "Well, how, how do you know for certain that Tommy G is your father because he hasn't done a DNA test but it, all the DNA that I've matched up with links to him yeah. and I, I, I do know that he was a friend of my parents and um, I do know that he was a figure in, in their lives you know pretty much yeah. yes. so I am I am quite certain that it, it has to be him. Yes. Yes,
1: and you don't need the your parent to actually do the DNA test. It's no. as long as someone yeah. on that side of the family you're you're linking up with, then you're connected to that family and
0: Exactly. Exactly because of course the fact that Noel was my top batch and I I couldn't believe actually just just, just looking back 2017 when I first met Noel, the connection was unbelievable that we had. We just seemed to click. You know, it was like as if we were, well, we were kind of like long lost relatives or something like that, you know, but the connection was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I felt so comfortable in his presence. I felt as if I'd found something in, in myself that I had had been lacking maybe all down through the years, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I always felt different. And unfortunately, my, my, my siblings were, you know, they, they were very quick. And down through the years, and even as I grew older, they always pointed out to me that I was different. They always did. You know, they called me odd. They called me peculiar. They would have called me all sorts of different unkind names, I have to say, because I was different and I wasn't interested in the things that they wanted to do. And, um, you know, they, they, they would have always called me different and always called me strange and that type of thing, you know. So um, that'll be the positive side to this. Um, I know now why I'm different mm. because I have DNA from another side that I was unaware of. Um, the sad thing is that, of course, I will never meet my birth father. Um, if, if he were alive now, he would be 100 years old in March next year. Mm. So that is some age. It was, um, he was 50 years of age when I was born. So... Basically, at this stage, what I feel is that uh, four of my mother's eight children um, were fathered by Tommy G. Wow. Four out of her total of eight. Three definite. um, The other one is deceased, but his daughter was adopted. Maybe someday she might do a DNA test. That is something I can't ask her to do because I would be afraid that she might think that we don't think she is who she is. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. and I, I certainly wouldn't like to make her uncomfortable by asking her to do a DNA test, you know. But I have found her. I, I undertook that search for his daughter, and she lives in Singapore, and she's due to get married next year. Mm. But that that is very good news,
1: and I'm. I'm it's amazing you have all these full siblings and I including your sister why you spoke of and I'm sorry she is living in such denial and in such a state her accusations are so yes. terrible and hurtful and you are you are not alone in having a sister or a, a sibling I should say who needs to live in this denial and act as if you are the problem upon finding out this DNA shock. And I'm really sorry. That is,
0: Thank you.
1: it's very hurtful. She's, um, it is.
0: It is. Yes. Yes. You, I, I said, yeah.
1: Your parents abuse and neglect listening to you talk about your childhood. Um, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. It's despicable. And yes. um, to act as if they, you had a, this wonderful, beautiful childhood. I think you said it correctly. It's probably her way of coping in her brain with right. with what you've what
0: you have all been through that's right yes indeed oh. yes it just yes so certainly sorry. is it seems to be her way now she does contact me every so often but I, I just find it very difficult, you know. I would answer her questions. She she asks, and uh, you know, she she might she may ask the odd question about her birth father. My sister E in the UK as well, she does ask me maybe an odd question here and there about her birth father. But neither of them are showing any any interest as such. Mm-hmm. They're not really interested, you yep. know. So they 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 just don't seem to want to know. It's is um, and and the 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 sad thing about it is. Um, I I feel more disconnected from them than ever. You know, that's the the real sad part of it. I have no real desire to go home to my hometown. Now, the only thing is, I have to say, hopefully Noel, um, COVID permitted, may be able to come from Florida to Ireland in um, December of this year. And I tell you, I will be down as soon as I can get into my car. Mm -hmm. you know that that, that is the difference in my connection there yeah you know I'm just so looking forward because Noel is elderly and I I, I don't know how much longer he will be able to make the trip It's, it's quite a trip from Florida to Ireland wow and I don't know how much longer he'll be but he's been absolutely fabulous we've spoken on video call through the lockdown and you know, he's, he, he felt, felt an awful lot of sadness for me, I suppose, as well in one way. But in another way, you know, I think he was glad to help me, you know, to put things together. Uh, the reason for his DNA test was because he had a query about the other side of his family, not the side that I'm connected to, but the other side. Oh. And he has found his answer as well. But sadly, his answer wasn't the answer he was looking for. Oh, but that was the reason for his DNA test. Yeah. Now, you know, um, in saying that he's, he has two brothers, they don't really have any interest in making any relationships. So I have um, I have said to my daughter and to my husband and to my son that when Noel passes away, um, you know, I feel that I probably will lose a certain amount of connection to the biological side unless I actually find someone else. Yeah. That I that that I can connect with, you know that would be the that would be the the hard thing because Noel is there at the moment, but um, he is almost eighty years old now. Yes, so his his memory as well wouldn't be as good as it would have been, I suppose, a few years ago. You know, and he also didn't know my birth father because uh, my birth father was older, was quite a lot older than Noel. He said he does remember once meeting him. When he was a very small child, when his mother brought him from England to Ireland for, for the summer or for on summer holidays. And he does remember just meeting him, and him briefly. And he said to me, he was a very tall, imposing man. A really, 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 really tall man. And there are varying views about my birth father in um, our hometown. Some seem to have disliked him greatly and some seem to have liked him greatly. So there seems to be just two, depending on who you speak to. Yeah, you know, that seems to be the way it is. But um, primarily my first contact, Mary, who I mentioned just earlier there in my story, I think she was the best one. She was the most honest one with me because she she knew him. And she knew my parents. And once she started talking, I'm telling you, she was talking for a full hour and she was just nonstop. I was just trying to take notes and you know, she was nonstop there, trying, you know, and um, she she knew him the best, I think. And she, you know, what always strikes me is, you know, she she said to me, oh, she says, I'm not surprised that he's your father. She says, you have his brains. <laughs> something very because now the reason she said that was um i suppose i was always considered to be the most intelligent in our house you know and it was kind of well known that i, that I was good at school and that type of thing but i i always remember that it, it actually made me smile he, you have his brains and i says okay okay you know, but um, but she does assure me or she did assure me that he was very good to my mother and i, I, I i'm happy to hear that Yes. I'm happy to hear that. Even though my mother, through my sisters, I'm afraid they were very, very um, what I say they were very critical of her and what she did. She had an extramarital affair that seems to have gone on for a long period of time, and um, they're quite unforgiving of her. Really, um, I I never felt um, I, I never felt about her like that. I always tried to see um, why she was in a very, very difficult situation. She met somebody who was kind and good to her, you know, and I feel that's why she found herself in the situation she was in. And I feel it it must have been terrifying for her when she was pregnant with us Mm. because she must have been, you know, so afraid that one of us was going to look like him. And from what I can see, there's none of us that looks directly like him. So she, she was lucky. She was lucky that way because I have no doubt in my mind that if my birth certificate father seen the face of my birth father in his children, I feel she would have been beaten Oh, very, very harshly. Oh. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Um she, she may even have been killed by him. Oh, yeah. That is no exaggeration. That is no exaggeration. So I'm thankful in that way that, you know, um, I do have a feeling, though, that, well, of course, the birth certificate father, he did seem to know about my two older sisters. He, he certainly knew something because he said names in the house that were picked up by us, picked up by my elder sisters. And um, he did he did know something because my mother used to disappear now and again. She was fearing for her life. And that's why she disappeared. That's mm. why she was afraid to come home because she knew she was in for a beating. Yes. She knew she was in for a beating. And the other very sad thing about it, I spoke there about my uh, great aunt. I was very, very close to her. And I remember a, a story that my sister, Y, told. We slept, of course, in the bedroom on the ground floor and the front door was beside us. And she said that our great aunt is to stand at the front door with the front door open because she was so terrified of her nephew, that would be birth certificate father, because if he was shouting upstairs, there was a chance that he could come down the stairs and hit somebody. Mm. And she would leave the front door open so that she could run because she was afraid, because she was so terrified of him. Oh, wow. Which was absolutely, was absolutely heartbreaking and terrible yes. for the, you know, really and truly looking back. Um, you know they were they were so good because my grandmother lost her husband and um, when her eldest child she had five children and her eldest child was five, um, 10 years old and she lost her husband. he died at 35 years of age. So her sister was involved in helping her to rear her own children and then also to rear us as well. so they they potentially uh, brought up two families. The two women. So they were absolutely fabulous. They were fabulous women. Mm-hmm. Now the one sadness that Y did say to me, my sister, she told me that she found it hard to um, hard to believe that we that we are not biologically related to them, and she found that very difficult oh. to digest. Yes. yes, you know. And the only th- I I didn't find that particularly difficult because the way I look at it is. Um, For somebody to love you and care for you and bring you up, you don't have to be biologically related to them. You know, you really don't. They loved us. They may have known that we weren't biologically related to them. I suspect they may have possibly guessed it, you know, that they they knew. But they never treated us any different, really. You know, they brought us up as best they could. They gave us everything they had. And they brought us up as best they could. So that, that
1: is yeah. Their love for you is very evident. And just listening to your story, I was heartbroken for you when your when your great aunt passed away when you were a little girl. And, and yes, years.
0: I that was very, very difficult. Those years for me, I always say between 1986 and my grand aunt died and 1990 when I finally moved away from home, those were very dark years. And I just launched myself into my studies. Um it was the thing that she, you know, my grand aunt was very interested in. She she felt it was very important to have a good education. And she felt it was very important to have a very good faith. And um that is something that I have carried through my life. I'm now 49 years of age and my, my faith is very, very strong, which I find has has mm-hmm. definitely helped me through this.
1: Mm-hmm. And Patricia, I know you mentioned that um the NPE online Facebook groups and support groups, and you've made some NPE online friends have saved you at nights. Are you able, I I forgot to ask you your privacy, if you have privacy concerns, is there a way people could contact you or um, would you prefer to remain anonymous?
0: Oh, no, I can give my email address. I have no difficulty at all giving my email address. That is no problem. I I am happy for people to contact me. In fact, I have been in contact with some of your guests that you've had on your podcast. There are some of them that I I, I listen to the podcast, to your podcast, uh, going to work and coming home from work. And uh, there are some of them have have really kind of uh, connected with me. And I've, I've seen connections with myself. And I've contacted them and they've been brilliant. They've been absolutely brilliant. So in that way, certainly I would be very happy for anyone to contact me. There's no problem with that.
1: Thank you. Do you remember your email address? Could you say that for me?
0: Yes, indeed. I have it here in front of me. Yes, indeed. It's um, pbcnpe at gmail.com.
1: pbcnpe at gmail. Okay, uh, Patricia. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. It was um, it it was very difficult to listen to at times your treatment uh, in your life, and uh, it's it's hard to hear this stuff. And and I'm sorry that V, your half sister, has not yet made a true connection with you, other than the handwritten yes. letter. But thank you. Thank you for sharing where you're currently at today. I really I'm fully grateful for listening to your story today.
0: I'm very grateful to you Lily, for this platform for the wonderful work that you do because you certainly I, I I've listened to I would say almost all of them at this stage. just don't stop even my daughter has started listening to them as well and she says they're absolutely just so nice to listen to mm-hmm. you know so so certainly thank you very much for giving mm-hmm. me this opportunity
1: these stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.